Welcome to the Commune Podcast. This is Jeff Krasno from The Flight Deck. Now, many of you may receive my Sunday Commusing article, where I address a breadth of issues from the spiritual to the sociopolitical. And on occasion, I will record an audio version of these articles and release it as a bonus episode. So your captain on this week's Puddle Jumper is none other than Lori Beth Robbins. LBR's flight plan takes us north into the depths of our mind, which can often be overcast with low visibility. Then we'll make a 180 down the brainstem and bank a hard left to our final destination in the heartland. In the case of a change in cabin pressure, LBR reminds us to put our oxygen masks on first. We're no good to anyone if we don't take care of ourselves. So expect some turbulence. LBR likes it bumpy, but don't fret. She always gets us there. If you're interested in exploring the greater commune universe of 80-plus courses, sign up for a free trial at onecommune.com trial. So without further delay, wheels up. Here's Lori Beth Robbins with Flying High. Airplanes flew in and out of a little airport on the road where I grew up. And to me, this was majestic that the aircraft were merely two or four seater private entities taking flight from just a 3,300 foot runway, mind you. And that my family had only heard of two people in our rural town who actually owned a little plane there and that I hardly ever visited or even stood anywhere near that airport for any reason mattered not. It was exciting to live near an airport or that is what I told myself and hence it was true. The humble home I grew up in cost less than some of those aviation toys. And on sub-zero winter nights in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, we would wire our cars to the house with this multitude of fluorescent orange extension cords just to make sure the vehicles sitting out in the snow and frigid cold, since we hadn't any garage, would start in the morning. But we had four fondue pots and over 2,000 books lining our cozy living room. I counted. Despite small means, food was a priority in our household, as was literature and love of all walks of people in this world. Republicans, Democrats, and every party in between was packed into our teeny yet effusively Hugo home at one point or another, as was a wide gamut of ethnicities, sexual orientations, and religions, from Dave Dellinger of the Chicago 7 to our state's most arch-conservative politicos. I met them all and was taught not to judge people. The most irreverent component of my upbringing, however, was that my mother instilled within me a love of my God-given figure at any weight, stage, or age, this hideous and insidious body hate and negative self-talk that tragically plagues too many individuals in our nation today, particularly women, is a script I was never given, and my mom was heavy. Sport mom or not, she didn't cover up in any shy or shameful way, nor exude any disdain for her physique. And she was persistent in teaching me not to either. My mother was a journalist and intent on exercising her mental muscle, after all. 
And my father adored her in public and in private and told anybody and everybody who would listen about his brilliant and sexy baby. And so I never learned that having some cellulite on one's thighs was equivalent to being less than or that a climbing age equated to a deficit in one's beauty. Compared to the onslaught of concerns abounding today, I often wonder if I was raised backwards or by wolves. Indeed, everything I'd learned was not important, would prove to be the most essential points of fixation en masse when I went out into the world. What a panic people professed for the very things I'd been schooled were not genuine. Truly, worry is our most wasted surge of energy. It is a disingenuous costume, which we defensively wear, and that fearful and fragile suit of hyper-concern is also our most threadbare. We each have the powerful option, you see, of choosing what is genuine to us. And when I forget that, I remember the contentment of my zoftic mother and I refocus on what I want life to be versus what social convention conveys it should be. When I was in my 20s and taking the written exam to be a pilot, I mused that the questions were entirely about the maps, machinery, and engineering jargon of flight, not about the emotional decomposition too many people embody when buckling into an airplane seat, especially when turbulence ensues and things get bumpy. That I loved both flying and public speaking, the two greatest fears for too many, could have served, I suppose, as yet another indicator that my sensibilities were adroitly misplaced for easy acceptance into this messy multiverse. But instead, the aforementioned aviatory and oratorical pondering led me on a quest clumsily for a long while, yet serving as an undeniably colorful and highly entertaining journey, no less, guiding me to lend an empowering presence to others while still helping to calm them, even when external surroundings shake up to high hell. For those unstable throngs of commotion known as turbulence have no bearing on whether we will arrive at our destination or not, but we think that they do. Accordingly, we pack up our biggest punch of panic and towed it right along in our bursting to the brim carry-on luggage, whether to board the commercial airways or the conceptualized flight of our precious lifespan. And with the misguided ideology that such an emotion will in some way help us, the shaking of stability contrary to what we imagined, expected, or hoped a route of transport would offer serves as proof enough to convince us we are doomed. Similarly, when the vicissitudes of our daily lives and bodies do bang about, or when emotional pangs of neediness rise and fall within our psychological systems while we scroll up and down our news feeds, we are under the inherent illusion that such is the real danger. Here, too, each bounce and tussle is a mere mirage, a sideshow flapping with the capacity to ruin our mood if we let it, 
what a catapult us into cataclysmic catalepsy. Should we choose that overdramatic option? And so I ask you now, what is genuine? Does the inundation of influencers, advertisements, apps, and attitude lent and bent from an era that is committed so deeply to devoting time and energy to being revered on Facebook and Instagram really speak to our success and daily survival? How about the habitual and tragic reflex today of engaging vehemently in divisiveness and the vicious tearing of each other apart and or throwing out human beings? who feel differently than we vis-a-vis voting, eating choices, or even COVID-19 personal precautionary decisions. These externals are all simply, well, they're sheets of wallpaper serving as the temporary background of our magnificent and ethereal lives that we are here to live and to love living. When we understand that the genuine factor determining our smooth arrival in this world is contained within, whether inside a structure literally like an airplane getting us from point A to point B or a masterful dwelling like we intricate and complex creatures, we can sit back, relax and enjoy the entertaining and occasionally adrenaline inducing scenery that surrounds us without becoming fearful and weak because of it. Yeah. Can we be the strength and joy that we hope trickles contagiously through all the aisles we walk in this world and with the hope to help others smell it, lather in it, and embody it? Because this is a genuine ability inside of us all. Yes, it surely is. Oddly, there are numerous accidents and crashes of tiny private planes due to the pilots struggling to close a door that accidentally popped a jar a teeny bit mid-flight instead of he or she continuing to fly the plane. We too, hastily and with reactionary reach, can derail ourselves entirely when we negate what our genuine raison d'etre is and we conversely allow any distraction or seemingly negative influence to creep in and convince us that it merits our immediate focus when it so often requires none. Fly the plane, drive the car, deliver the speech, cook the meal, and for God's sake, enjoy the meal. While we're still here, may we do what we set out to do. May we give, live, love, and not miss the genuine moment of delivering a blessing to this awe-inspiring universe merely because of some burnt food or a door that's wedged open or someone's cell phone going off while we deliver a keynote address or whatever it be. Fly the plane anyway. That is the most genuine and real part of our journey. And moving along to an entirely different metaphor for a moment, yet an analogous one to life, I believe it is similar to peeling eggs. Not hard-boiled eggs, mind you, as anybody can peel those, but soft to medium-boiled eggs can be trickier to clean and yet provide a genuine mirror that reveals how we dance with life. Here, the old expression, how we do one thing is how we do everything, truly holds merit. Because sometimes when P 
peeling undercooked and thus limp eggs, it is relatively easy to quickly grasp that thin membrane and smoothly shuck off the shell without one dent or mishap of any kind. Other times, not so much. Observing human behavior, however, becomes downright fascinating. When we mortals are standing in front of a pan full of ice cubes and eggs and cursing out orbits and galaxies beyond our solar system due to a heap of pockmarked and dotted, ripped, gunky, dripping, and just horribly ruined eggs. Again, what is genuine here? Can we not eat our mistake and go make a better one? Yes, taste that sunshiny yellow orange hue and count your damn blessings that you get a gooey, creamy, dreamy, yummy treat to find the joy in that mound of mess is what's genuine. But to make it more than it is and to continue to berate ourselves once at the table even, eating an entirely new package of boiled eggs while speaking ad nauseum about how annoying it all inherently was is a moot point a waste of time, and a tragic use of our sacred energy. Well, you know, life works like that too. Yeah, it does. If we are committed to what is genuine, not only do we navigate situations more lucidly and attract like-minded, genuine people into our lives, but we also have an easier time articulating and establishing healthy boundaries to withstand the disingenuous circumstances closing in from the dark corners of our culture as they do. Whether hurtful things happened to us or hurtful people interfaced with us does not strip us of our capability to continue forth happily in this world and to our destination and destiny with love and unwavering determination to be our genuine best. Nor does a numerical size in our genes equate inversely to our potential to manifest in this world whatever we came here to do. Moreover, when we turn within during each and every moment of frustration and understand that we are what's genuine and real and the existing externals haven't any power unless we give them such fuel then we bravely do relink to the resourceful and resilient side of ourselves we each possess and should be very proud of. I cannot promise that there won't be bumps along your journey, but I can assure you of three things. The journey is much shorter than you assume, and the bumps don't matter and you can handle them. Or as another old adage states well, the bad news is that time flies. The good news is that you're the pilot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Commune Podcast. Feel free to drop me a line any old time at jeffk at onecommune.com. And if so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's all from the Commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you.